Chapter Three of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Four by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. L'Ile du Ravageur. The following scenes took place during the evening of the day in which Madame Seraphin, in compliance with Jacques Ferrand, the notary's orders, went to the Martial, the fresh-water pirates established at the point of a small islet of the Seine, not far from the bridge of Asnières the father martial had died like his own father on the scaffold leaving a widow four sons and two daughters the second of these sons was already condemned to the galleys for life and of the rest of this numerous family there remained in the ile du ravageur a name which was popularly given to this place why we will hereafter explain the mother martial three sons the eldest la louve's lover twenty-five years of age the next twenty and the youngest twelve two girls one eighteen years of age the second nine the examples of such families in whom there is perpetuated a sort of fearful inheritance of crime are but too frequent and this must be so let us repeat unceasingly society thinks of punishing but never of preventing crime a criminal is sentenced to the galleys for life another is executed these felons will leave young families does society take any care or heed of these orphans these orphans whom it has made so by visiting their father with a civil death or cutting off his head does it substitute any careful or preserving guardianship after the removal of him whom the law has declared to be unworthy infamous after the removal of him whom the law has put to death no the poison dies with the beast says society it is deceived the poison of corruption is so subtle so corrosive so contagious that it becomes almost invariably hereditary but if counteracted in time it would never be incurable strange contradiction dissection proves that a man dies of a malady that may be transmitted and then by precautionary measures his descendants are preserved from the affection of which he has been the victim let the same facts be produced in the moral order of things let it be demonstrated that a criminal almost always bequeaths to his son the germ of a precocious depravity will society do for the safety of this young soul what the doctor does for the body when it is a question of contending against hereditary vitiation no instead of curing this unhappy creature we leave him to be gangrened even to death and then in the same way as the people believe the son of the executioner to be an executioner perforce also they will believe the son of a criminal also a criminal and then we consider that the result of an inheritance inexorably fatal which is really a corruption caused by the egotistical neglect of society thus if in spite of the evil mark on his name the orphan whom the law has made so remains by chance industrious and honest a barbarous prejudice will still reflect on him his father's offences and thus subjected to undeserved reprobation he will scarcely find employment and instead of coming to his aid to save him from discouragement despair and above all the dangerous resentments of injustice which sometimes drive the most generous disposition to revolt to ill society will say let him go wrong if he will we shall watch him have we not jailers turnkeys and executioners thus for him and it is rare as it is meritorious preserves himself pure in spite of the worst examples is there any support any encouragement thus for him who plunged from his birth in a focus of domestic depravity is vitiated quite young 
what hope is there of cure yes yes i will cure him the orphan i have made replies society but in my own way by and by to extirpate the smallpox to cut out the imposthume it must come to a head a criminal desires to speak prisons and galleys they are my hospitals in incurable cases there is the executioner as to the cure of my orphan adds society i will reflect upon it let the germ of hereditary corruption ripen let it increase let it extend its ravages far and wide when our man shall be rotten to the heart when crime oozes out of him at every pore when a robbery or desperate murder shall have placed him at the same bar of infamy at which his father stood then we will cure this inheritor of crime as we cured his progenitor at the galleys or on the scaffold the son will find his father's seat still warm society thus reasons and it is astonished and indignant and frightened to see how robberies and murders are handed down so fatally from generation to generation the dark picture which is now to follow the fresh-water pirates is intended to display what the inheritance of evil in a family may be when society does not come legally or officially to preserve the unfortunate victims of the law from the terrible consequences of the sentence executed against the father note four in proportion as we advance in this work its moral aim is attacked with so much bitterness and as we think with so much injustice that we ask permission to dwell a little on the serious and honourable idea which hitherto has sustained and guided us many serious delicate and lofty minds being desirous of encouraging us in our endeavours and having forwarded to us the flattering testimonials of their approval it is due perhaps to these known and unknown friends to reply over again to the blind accusations which have reached we may say even to the bosom of the legislative assembly to proclaim the odious immorality of our work is to proclaim decidedly it appears to us the odiously immoral tendencies of the persons who honour us with the deepest sympathies it is in the name of these sympathies as well as in our own that we shall endeavour to prove by an example selected from amongst others that this work is not altogether destitute of generous and practical ideas we gave some time back the sketch of a model farm founded by rodolph in order to encourage teach and remunerate poor honest and industrious labourers we add to this honest men who are unfortunate deserve at least as much interest as criminals yet there are numerous associations intended for the patronage of young prisoners or those discharged but there is no society founded for the purpose of giving succour to poor young persons whose conduct has been invariably exemplary so that it is absolutely necessary to have committed an offence to become qualified for these institutions which are unquestionably most meritorious and salutary and we make a peasant of the bouqueval farm to say it is humane and charitable not to make the wicked desperate but it is also requisite that the good should not be without hope if a stout sturdy honest fellow desirous of doing well and of learning all he can were to present himself at the farm for young ex-thieves they would say to him my lad haven't you stolen some trifle or been somewhat dissolute no well then this is no place for you this discordance of things had struck minds much superior to our own and thanks to them what we considered as a utopianism was realized under the superintendence of one of the most distinguished and most honourable men of the age m le comte portalis and under the able direction of a real philanthropist with a generous heart 
and an enlightened and practical mind m allier a society has been established for the purpose of succouring poor and honest persons of the department of the seine and of employing them in agricultural colonies this single and sole result is sufficient to affirm the moral idea of our work we are very proud and very happy to have been met in the midst of our ideas our wishes and our hopes by the founders of this new work of charity for we are one of the most obscure but most convinced propagators of these two great truths that it is the duty of society to prevent evil and to encourage and recompense good as much as in it lies whilst we were speaking of this new work of charity whose just and moral idea ought to have a salutary and fruitful result let us hope that its founders will perchance think of supplying another vacancy by extending hereafter their tutelary patronage or at least their solicitude over young children whose fathers have been executed or condemned to an infamous sentence involving civil death and who we will repeat are made orphans by the act and operation of the law such of these unfortunate children as shall be already worthy of interest from their wholesome tendencies and their misery will still more deserve particular notice in consequence of their painful difficult and dangerous position let us add the family of a condemned criminal almost always victim of cruel repulses apply in vain for labour and are compelled in order to escape universal reprobation to fly from the spot where they have hitherto found work then exasperated and enraged by injustice already branded as criminals for faults of which they are innocent frequently at the end of all honourable resource these unfortunates would sink and die of famine if they remained honest if they have on the other hand already undergone an almost inevitable corruption ought we not to try and rescue them whilst there is yet time the presence of these orphans of the law in the midst of other children protected by the society of whom we have spoken would be moreover a useful example to all it would show that if the guilty is unfailingly punished his family lose nothing but rather gain in the esteem of the world if by dint of courage and virtues they achieve the re-establishing of a tarnished name shall we say that the legislature desires to render the chastisement still more terrible by virtually striking the criminal father in the fortune of his innocent son that would be barbarous immoral irrational is it not on the contrary of the highest moral consequence to prove to the people that there is no hereditary succession of evil that the original stain is not ineffaceable let us venture to hope that these reflections will appear deserving of some attention from the new society of patronage unquestionably it is painful to think that the state never takes the initiative in these questions so vital and so deeply interesting to social organization End of note four. the ancestor of the martial family who had first established himself on this islet on payment of a moderate rent was a ravageur a river scavenger the ravageur as well as the débardeurs and déchireurs of boats remained nearly the whole of the day plunged in water up to the waist in the exercise of their trade the débardeurs bring ashore the floating wood the déchireurs break up the rafts which have brought the wood equally aquatic as these other two occupations the business of a ravageur is different going into the water as far as possible the ravageur or mudlark draws up by aid of a long drag the river sand from beneath the mud then collecting it in large wooden bowls he washes it like a person washing for gold dust and extracts from it metallic particles of all kinds iron copper lead tin pewter brass the results of the relics of all sorts of utensils 
the ravageurs indeed often find in the sand fragments of gold and silver jewellery brought into the seine either by the sewers which are washed by the stream or by the masses of snow or ice collected in the streets in which are cast into the river we do not know by what tradition or custom these persons usually honest and industrious are called by a name so formidable martial the father the first inhabitant of this islet being a ravageur and a sad exception to his comrades the inhabitants of the river's banks called it the ile du ravageur the dwelling of these fresh-water pirates was placed at the southern end of the island in daytime there was visible on a sign-board over the door au rendez-vous des ravageurs good wine good eels and fried fish boats let by the day or hour we thus see that the head of this depraved family added to his visible or hidden pursuits those of a public housekeeper fisherman and letter of boats the felon's widow continued to keep the house and reprobates vagrants escaped convicts wandering wild beast showmen and scamps of every description came there to pass sundays and other days not marked with a red letter in the calendar in parties of pleasure martial la louve's lover the eldest son of the family the least guilty of all the family was a river poacher and now and then as a real champion and for money paid took the part of the weak against the strong one of his brothers nicolas the intended accomplice of berbillon in the murder of the jewel-matcher was in appearance a ravageur but really a fresh-water pirate in the seine and its banks francois the youngest son of the executed felon rowed visitors who wished to go on the river in a boat we have alluded to ambroise martial condemned to the galleys for burglary at night with attempt to murder the eldest daughter nicknamed calabash calabas helped her mother in the kitchen and waited on the company her sister amandine nine years of age was also employed in the house according to her years and strength at the period in question it was dull night out of doors heavy grey opaque clouds driven by the wind showed here and there in the midst of their openings a few patches of dark blue spotted with stars the outline of the islet bordered by high and ragged poplars was strongly and darkly defined in the clear haze of the sky and in the white transparency of the river the house with its irregular gables was completely buried in the shade two windows in the ground floor only were lighted and these windows showed a deep red light which was reflected like long trails of fire in the little ripples which washed the landing-place close to the house the chains of the boats which were moored there made a continual clashing that mingled unpleasantly with the gusts of the wind in the branches of the poplars and the hoarse murmurs of the main stream a portion of the family was assembled in the kitchen of the house this was a large low-roofed apartment facing the door were two windows under which a long stove extended to the left hand there was a high chimney on the right a staircase leading to the upper story at the side of this staircase was the entrance to a large room containing several tables for the use of the guests at the cabaret the light of a lamp joined to the flame of the fire was strongly reflected by a number of saucepans and other copper utensils suspended against the wall or ranged on shelves with a quantity of earthenware and a large table stood in the middle of the kitchen the felon's widow with three of her children was seated in the corner near the fireplace this woman tall and meagre seemed about five-and-forty years of age she was dressed in black with a mourning handkerchief tied about her head concealing her hair and surrounding her flat livid and wrinkled brows her nose was long and straight her cheekbones prominent her cheeks furrowed 
her complexion bilious and sallow the corners of her mouth always curved downwards rendered still harsher the expression of her countenance as chilling sinister and immovable as a marble mask her grey eyebrows surmounted her dull blue eyes the felon's widow was employed with needlework as well as her two daughters the eldest girl was tall and forbidding like her mother with her features calm harsh and repulsive her thin nose her ill-formed mouth and her pale look her yellow complexion which resembled a ripe quince had procured for her the name of calabash calabas she was not in mourning but wore a brown gown whilst a cap of black tulle did not conceal two bands of scanty hair of dull and dingy light brown francois the youngest of the martial's sons was sitting on a low stool repairing an aldrelle a thin-meshed net forbidden to be used on the seine in spite of the tan of his features this boy seemed in perfect health a forest of red hair covered his head his face was round his lips thick his forehead projecting his eyes quick and piercing he was not like his mother or his elder sister but had a subdued and sly look as from time to time through the thick mass of hair that fell over his eyes he drew a stealthy and fearful glance at his mother or exchanged a look of intelligence and affection with his little sister amandine the latter was seated beside her brother and was occupied not in marking but in unmarking some linen stolen on the previous evening she was nine years old and was as like her brother as her sister was like her mother her features without being more regular were less coarse than those of francois although covered with freckles her complexion was remarkably clear her lips thick and red her hair also red but silky and her eyes though small were of a clear bright blue when amandine's look met that of her brother she turned a glance towards the door and then francois replied by sigh after which calling his sister's attention by a slight gesture he counted with the end of his needle ten loops of the net this was meant to imply in the symbolical language of children that their brother martial would not return until ten o'clock that evening seeing these two women so silent and ill-looking and the two poor little mute frightened uneasy children we might suppose they were two executioners and two victims calabash perceiving that amandine had ceased from her occupation for a moment said in a harsh tone come haven't you done taking the mark out of that shirt the little girl bowed her head without making any reply and by the aid of her fingers and scissors hastily finished taking out the red cotton threads which marked the letters in the linen after a few minutes amandine addressing the widow timidly showed her the shirt and said mother i have done it without making any reply the widow threw her another piece of linen the child did not catch it quickly enough and it fell on the ground her tall sister gave her with a hand as hard as wood a sharp slap on the arm saying you stupid brat amandine resumed her seat and set to work actively after having exchanged with her brother a glance of her eye into which a tear had started the same silence continued to reign in the kitchen without the wind still moaned and dashed about the sign in front of the house this dismal creaking and the dull boiling of a pot placed over the fire were the only sounds that were heard the two children observed with secret fright that their mother did not speak although she was habitually taciturn this complete silence and a certain drawing in of the lips announced to them that the widow was in what they called her white passion that is to say was a prey to concentrated irritation the fire was going out for want of fuel francois a log said calabash 
the young mender of forbidden nets looked into a nook beside the chimney and replied there are no more there then go to the woodpile said calabash francois murmured some unintelligible words but did not stir do you hear me francois inquired calabash harshly the felon's widow laid on her knees a towel she was also unmarking and looked at her son he had lowered his head but he guessed he felt if we may use the expression the fierce look his mother cast upon him and fearful of encountering her dreaded countenance the boy remained without stirring i say are you deaf francois said calabash in an irritated tone mother you see the tall sister seemed to be happy in finding fault with the two children and to seek for them the punishment which the widow pitilessly inflicted amandine without being observed gently touched her brother's elbow to make him quietly do what calabash desired francois did not stir the elder sister still looked at her mother as demanding the punishment of the offender and the widow understood her with her long lean finger she pointed to a stick of stout and pliant willow placed in a recess near the chimney calabash stooped forward took up this staff of chastisement and handed it to her mother francois had seen his mother's gesture and rising suddenly sprung out of the reach of the threatening stick do you want mother to break your back exclaimed calabash the widow still holding the willow stick in her hand pinched her pale lips together more and more looked at francois with a fixed eye but without uttering a syllable by the slight tremor of amandine's hands with her head bent downwards and the redness which suddenly overspread her neck it was easy to see that the child although habituated to such scenes was alarmed at the fate that threatened her brother who had taken refuge in a corner of the kitchen and seemed frightened and irritated mind yourself mother's going to begin and then it will be too late said the tall sister i don't care replied francois turning pale i'd rather be beaten as i was the day before yesterday than go to the woodpile and at night again and why asked calabash impatiently i am afraid of the woodpile i answered the boy shuddering as he spoke afraid you stupid and of what francois shook his head but did not reply will you answer what are you afraid of i don't know but i am frightened why you've been there a hundred times and last night too i won't go there any more mother's going to begin so much the worse for me exclaimed the lad but she may beat me kill me and i'll not go near the woodpile not at night once more why not inquired calabash why because 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 there's someone there's someone buried there said francois with a shudder the felon's widow in spite of her impassiveness could not repress a sudden start her daughter did the same it seemed as though the two women were struck with an electric shock someone buried by the woodpile said calabash shrugging her shoulders i tell you that just now whilst i was piling up some wood i saw in a dark corner near the woodpile a dead man's bone it was sticking a little way out of the ground where it was damp just by the corner added francois do you hear him mother why the boy's a fool said calabash making a signal to the widow they are mutton bones i put there for washing lye it was not a mutton bone replied the boy with alarm it was a dead person's bones a dead man's bones i saw quite plainly a foot that stuck out of the ground 
and of course you told your brother your dear friend martial of your grand discovery didn't you asked calabash with brutal irony francois made no reply nasty little spy said calabash savagely because he is as cowardly as a cur and would as soon see us scragged as our father was scragged before us if you call me a spy i'll tell my brother martial everything said francois much enraged i haven't told him yet but i haven't seen him since but when he comes here this evening i'll the child could not finish his mother came up to him calm and inexorable as ever although she habitually stooped a little her figure was still tall for a woman holding the willow wand in one hand with the other the widow took her son by the arm and in spite of alarm resistance prayers and tears of the child she dragged him after her and made him ascend the staircase at the further end of the kitchen after a moment's interval there was heard heavy trampling mingled with cries and sobs some minutes afterwards this noise ceased a door shut violently the felon's widow descended then as impassive as ever she put the stick in its usual place seated herself close to the fireplace and resumed her occupation without saying a word End of chapter three read by celine major